Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. News out of Tesla says Elon must personally approve every new hire. That'll certainly speed up the hiring process. Hi, kids. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast Does Recruitment Marketing. I'm your co-host, Joel Model Y Cheeseman. And I'm Chad. Elon is the king of dick moves. So wash. I'm Julie Real Human Intelligence, Kelly. Ooh, on this episode... Miller Lite stirs up conservatives, Goodwill gets a new life, and working nine to five is no way to make a living anymore. Thanks, Dolly Parton. Well, let's do this. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Sela Shifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics than hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts. So I was told this week that I'm not a real European unless I'm watching Eurovision. I didn't know this is a thing. The fuck is Eurovision? <laughs> is it like Hulu? <laughs> is it like Hulu? No, it was the thing that actually created ABBA. Did you not know that? It's kind of like the America's Got Talent before America's Got Talent, uh, but it brings all the European countries together. It's what ABBA won to become ABBA. So okay. yeah. So again, this is something that the the Euro- the Europeans keep away from us Americans so that they can have it all to themselves. It's like American Idol for Americans. And there's also a really bad Will Ferrell movie, I think, called Eurovision. It was. Oh, it was. It wasn't bad. It was amazing. It was that awful. was hilarious, it dude. Was I awful. love it. Yeah. Watch yeah. Will mouth. Ferrell's either like gold or trash. He's always gold. I'm a fan. I know. He's always got a good quote <laughs> in every movie, but like some of his movies, man, I just I can't do it. Like, uh, was it the Blades of Glory? I mean, that was horrible at first, and I've watched it like a dozen times. You're right. Since. Like, it's like a fine wine. At, you know, if it sits a couple years, it gets funnier. <laughs> maybe fine wine. Napoleon Dynamite. What happened to that dude? That, that was supposed to be his like big leap into the stratosphere of celebrity stardom, but. I think he's just um, like living in Utah skiing now. Him and Pedro. I mean, what happened to Pedro? I mean, seriously. Pedro's on the uh, the corporate uh, speaking circuit talking about how to win elections. <laughs> Vote Pedro. Yeah. Jeez, Vote for geez. Pedro, baby. Vote for Pedro. <laughs> that is a great movie, by the way. Shout out. Eat your food, Tina. <laughs> do these Do these chickens have talons? What did you say? (laughs) All right. I got a shout out, everybody. Uh, Tip bullying apparently is a thing now. I don't know if you've heard about this. So the Wall Street Journal had a story this week about how self-checkout machines at various establishments now prompt customers to leave a default 20% tip, even if there is minimal or zero interaction 
yes. with an employee. Some experts argue that companies are shifting the responsibility of paying employees onto customers instead of increasing salaries themselves. It's this phenomenon known as tip creep aims to encourage higher tips in transactional situations. The article claims customers perceive self-tipping as a form of emotional blackmail i like that how do you guys feel <laughs> emotional damage uh, dude I, I think it's freaking horrible i don't know julie how many times have you actually gone and gotten a coffee and then this thing prompts you and you you have to go to custom there's no no tip you've got to go to custom and mm-hmm. then hit no tip have you have you gone through this you know i i, I do a lot of takeout and i feel like i still have to tip when i do takeout but um, really? I can't even bring – I can't bring myself to spend money on buying coffee. It's just – why pay $5 <laughs> for a cup of coffee you could have made at home? Um, I have a yes. really hard time with that. problem is it's not just coffee. It's everything yeah. now. No, it's like, everything. Yeah. yeah. If you pay digitally with a credit card and, – and by the way, Chad, if you push customize, it's a pain in the ass. It's like a, an no, exact amount, yep. percentage, and Zero. it's worse – if you got people behind you, like self-checkout, you like mm-hmm. feeling like an ass if you don't tip, <laughs> uh, even though you know you don't want to. And the person behind you feels guilty if you tip yeah. and then they don't tip. Um, I know what you're going to say. It all comes down to like, let's pay a fair wage. Let's be like Europe and just tap yeah. and go and be done yeah. with it. Well, and, and that's the biggest problem I see is we're, we're not paying we're not paying real wages as it is in the first place, living wages in, in that in that case. So we automatically go figure, you know, the company's like, well, you know, if they if they had good service, then they'll go ahead and tip. Well, that's total bullshit anyway. I mean, it, we need to start taking a look at wages, and, and when we're all the thing. This is this just drives me crazy. First off, whenever we start talking about inflation, mm-hmm. the only way the only thing that we can talk about is wages. And how wages have come up. And we don't look at the CEO wages who that have exploded since 1978, 1,500%. We look at the bottom line that has only gone up less than 20%. And we're like, all those people, they're the problem. We don't look at profiteering. We don't look at any of this stuff. But yet, we have to focus on, well, let's go, go ahead and see if we can shame people into tips instead of it just... The entire system in the United States from a payment and a wage and compensation standpoint is totally fucked up. Yeah. Is that tipping or is that charity, right? Are, are we trying to fill yeah. in the compensation because the company can't afford to pay that wage? Um, and then point, it's, yeah. it's unpredictable for the employee. Like, how many people are going to tip me today? Will I be able to pay my rent? Um, yeah. you're, it's not predictable income. And yeah. there's a lot of ambiguity. Like if you tip, oh, if God, you give yeah. a, a waitress five bucks, you know that that five bucks is going in the pocket of that of that waitress. If you digitally donate twenty percent, who the hell knows where that goes? To be honest, mm-hmm. like it's yeah. not like at the end of the night everyone gets paid you know a percentage of what came in digitally. Well, then you take a look at the experience, and this is going off track a little bit. But when we take a look at actually having dinner in Europe, they're not trying to turn and burn tables, right? They're not, because they don't need that next that next tip. How many how many tables did you turn so I can get more tips out of those tables? And they're always coming back. Uh, what's next? You know, they're they're they're, they're politely pushing you out the door uh-huh. here in Europe. I mean, if you don't have a three hour dinner, I mean, you didn't have <laughs> dinner for God's sakes. And it's amazing because again, you go and you tap and you go. Nobody asks for a tip. Nobody thinks about asking for a tip because they make a great livable wage for where they're at. And, you know, it's it's crazy. 
Again, America's fucked up when it comes to salaries, wages, and focusing on the bottom line as opposed to the assholes up top who are getting 1,500% boosts. Right. And tips originally were almost a way, a bit of an incentive, like good service, you get tipped at the end for providing quality service. But if you're paying for your coffee up front, you ha- you don't even have your coffee yet. You still need to wait 15 minutes to get it, you know, for somebody <laughs> to write your name on it and move it at the end of the, at the, end of the line. Um, and they need to spell your name right, right for God. So you're, you're tipping up front, but yet you have no idea. Yeah. The service isn't complete. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're, you're like, here is a tip. I hope to get my coffee within the next five minutes. For our listeners who haven't been to Europe, it's so nice to go into a bar, get a drink, round of drinks, whatever, pull out the thing, tap, and you're done. In America, it's like, do you want to start a tab? Yes or no? Like, yeah. here's my yeah. card. Let me go run it. Get the thing. Sign it. Get a tip. Like, it's such a nice way to do business when you just tap and go in the bar. It's bad it's for my liver, but it is good for efficiency. <laughs> By the way, Chad, I know you're lis- I know you're a Galloway listener. They uh, yes. in his in his market uh, podcast, they talked about the writer strike in Hollywood and mm-hmm. uh, all the all the money that CEOs and entertainment are making right now and. <laughs> His co-host said, why don't the CEOs just reduce their pay so that they can pay the writers? <laughs> and of course, Galloway's like, that's really cute that you would think the CEOs would reduce their pay to pay the writers. Yeah. Well, I mean, Galloway's on board with making as much money as he fucking possibly can. Oh, he's a capitalist. He's a capitalist who lives in fucking London. Fuck that dude. Yeah. I mean, I feel for the writers. Um, you know, I know whenever people need to go on strike, it's it's to make a point. It's to make a stand. But of all yeah. the times to make a stand, like writers are uh, at the top of the list of their careers being threatened by AI. And they're like, hey, now's the yeah. time. Now that I'm replaceable by artificial intelligence, now I think I'm going to demand more pay. Yeah. Like most things in life, it's all the millennials' fault. All the password sharing. <laughs> none of y'all were paying. None of y'all were paying for Netflix, and now the writers get to pay for it. Thanks, millennials. Oh, Thanks, shit. millennials. My shout out goes to events. I can't say enough. And again, we're we're a little ways out of COVID, but I can't say how much it feel, how good it feels, just to see people again, to be on stage. Oh yeah. It is amazing to be in Ferris wheels, to do VIP events. I mean, this is how life was meant to live, kids. And, and we're just having a great time. All the events that we're going to, uh, one event, uh, Get Ready Kids, we're going to be at Wreckfest in London, just north in, in Nebworth Park. Mm-hmm. And the very first Wreckfest in the U.S. is happening in Nashville, Happening in September, so you got plenty of time. Uh, you go to chadcheese.com, click on events. If you click on the discount code in our event in our events section, hell, it's, it's in the header for God's sakes. It's a hero image. Click on sign up or register here or whatever the hell it says, and you'll get a fifty percent off from Chad and Cheese. Bring your entire Ooh. team because that's what Wreckfest is about. It's about community. It's about bringing the whole team together. And an all-hands day in Nashville is exactly what your team needs. So go to chadcheese.com, click on events, click sign up, and boom, baby. We'll see you there. Groupons from Chad and Cheese. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and we get to see Julie Callie in Vegas. That was the oh, first show wait. of the year. Oh, yeah. And Julie Callie's in the house. Yeah. Leisha's great. We were up in a Ferris wheel. Oh, that high roller was awesome. I'm on a boat. 
And a Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, thank you to Hiring Branch for uh, that trip in the high roller. I just thought it was like a Ferris wheel. And then the doors opened and there was a bar inside of it. I was a like, bartender. what am I climbing aboard? Um, and then I was just so overjoyed. Is this a penis rocket? <laughs> With all the people that were it, like, there was a great uh, move yeah. too to like, you know, seal us all in a little pod together. <laughs> but then, you know, you put a whole bunch of talkers in a, in a pod together and I, I was enjoying all the conversation. I realized, oh yeah. Let me look at the view. <laughs> I almost mm-hmm. uh, didn't even look out the window. I was so excited to talk to everyone. I have a request, Chad. Yes. I know Jamie listens to the show at RecFest. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We come to America. Mm-hmm. The Ferris wheel's a cutesy thing in, in England. I get that. You got the eye in, in London. You're coming to Nashville. I want a mechanical bull. <laughs> I want a mechanical Ooh. bull at RecFest. And I will ride you will? it. On I can see. Yes, I can see a, Ch- a Chad and Cheese VIP event with a uh, mechanical bowl. Oh, wait a minute! All I'm right. talking chaps, <laughs> pants optional, baby. That's what I'm talking about. An electrical bowl. I do, do it, Jamie. not want Cheeseman assless chaps. Okay, Come on, that's Jamie. not. Uh, no, no, I don't want that. Give me a bowl. Can I control Jamie. it? Get me a bowl. <laughs> sure. There you can't you even control it. Are you kidding control me? Control the bowl, baby. Here we go. Topics. All right. Well, listeners will remember discussing Bud Light's ad featuring a trans influencer, which led to an outcry by conservatives. Well, Miller Light is in the news this week for what conservatives are calling a woke ad. The surprise is the ad came out in March, nearly a month before the Bud Light ad. Listeners, if you haven't seen it or heard it, Let's sample it, and we'll talk about it on the other side. Here's a little known fact. Women were among the very first to brew beer ever. From Mesopotamia to the Middle Ages to colonial America, women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis. Wow. Look at this Wild. It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their shit, but the whole beer industry's shit. Miller Lite has been scouring the internet for all this shit and buying it back so that they can turn it into good shit for women brewers. Literally, good shit. How, you ask? Ladies, take it away. First, we turn the bad shit into compost. Then we feed compost to worms. Push out beautiful fertilizer. That good shit helps farmers grow quality hops which has been donated to women brewers to make their own really good shit. But there's definitely more shit out there. In your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got into Miller Lite, and they'll turn that into good shit, too. Oh. So here's to women. Because without us, there would be no beer. All right, Julie Callie, you are a woman. What are your thoughts on the Miller Lite campaign? Well, it feels a little like it's pandering a bit, but uh, but you know, I I'm glad to see that at least it's calling out the truth of uh, yes, women have been used to sell beer, but at least this mm-hmm. is giving some credit to you know women also took a big part in making beer throughout the centuries. Um, but I I mean I read a lot of the comments on social media. 
And I'm like, what mm-hmm. are people getting all rallied up about? It's a commercial. It's a commercial. And I mean, it's trying to change the narrative a little bit and be more respectful in the way that it's doing this commercial. I'll take that. I'll take that that recognition that uh, you know women may have been used in beer commercials in ways that are maybe not the same that we want going forward. And it's making a change. Yeah. And it's not just calling out their own ads. It's calling out everybody's ads. I'm for it. I, I'd say go for it. Keep you know changing the narrative to things that are more inclusive today. Julie, you, you came of age in the 80s, 90s, and these beer ads. How, d- how did you feel as a young woman watching these ads? Did you take offense? Did it impact you in any way? I painted a lot of pictures of what I thought I was supposed to look like. Certainly had a lot of influence on that. Um, and I would say, you know, at a young age, I truthfully feel that a lot of the impression that was put on me is it mattered more what your beauty was than your brains. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're young, you have youth on your side. <laughs> and then as you get older, you realize that's not what matters. Um, so I would say that I didn't really start to feel even as if there was more to myself to offer beyond beauty until I started to get into my young 20s. And then I started to realize how powerful my own brain was, but it was never something that was real. You know, I wasn't growing up seeing doctor, female doctors on TV. I wasn't, you know, seeing female CEOs in my youth. So I, I, I was inspired by other working women who are going to school and getting an education and like fighting for a place in the workforce of equal opportunity. So I got to witness that. I wanted to be part of that. And I stood my ground as I, you know, entered into the space. But I realized that that was not what it was like before. So yeah, I think that those commercials had a huge influence. And, Hmm. you know, while the beer commercials might change, Going forward in the future, um, I, young women are still very uh, vulnerable due to social media today, which is something I didn't have in my youth. Well, and remember, there was a time when bulimia was, I mean, it was literally, it was like an outbreak. Sure. Eating disorders. In, in a lot yeah. of that, you, you, you could definitely tie to those, the, those commercials, those ads, and just the, the whole idea of what a quote unquote woman should look yep. like. Right. So I think, you know, going back to the, the, the people that are saying this is woke, I mean, what we're seeing is what they call selective rage campaigns. And people are creating rage where it doesn't really exist. OK, this is truth. Right. Much like, you know, a critical race theory. Uh, they have problems with that. They have problems with history. I mean, it's fucking history. It's history you weren't taught. It doesn't mean it's not true. Right. So, you know, now we're doing the same thing with females saying, hey, look, women created beer. Guess what, guys? You like it. That's great. But we created beer. So, you know, these are these are things that we as as human beings, uh, we, we need to be aware of that. Many of these things where they're quote unquote calling things woke. It's just a selective rage campaign to be able to try to pull the narrative away from things that actually fucking matter. I mean, things that matter versus things that really don't matter. I mean, this doesn't matter other than being able to just tell history. It it matters from that standpoint. We should be doing this. But 
it's pulling it's pulling and it's diverting away from conversations we should be happening um, because this is or we should be having. But this is this is something that's important. Julie, are you more likely to buy a Miller Lite product or product by the Molson Coors company because of this ad? Well, I already drink Miller Lite. <laughs> so, so now I'm just going to raise my beer a little prouder. There I you think. go. OK. <laughs> But, you know, today, Miller Lite and who's next, right? I just feel that every brand, when they make an attempt now to stand for something, there's going to be somebody out there starting, you know, a campaign against them about why it's wrong. Um, But you got to stand for something right. Well, talk about Bud Light, though, because they folded like a cheap (sighs) card table after we were giving them huge kudos. Yeah, disappointed in them. What is a brand to do, especially in the United States, when all we do is we focus from quarter to quarter? We're not looking long term, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're not looking long term. We're looking from quarter to quarter and we're answering to sh- shareholders, it seems like every five fucking minutes, right? As opposed to being able to plan long term, which is what we were really focusing on and saying, hey, these guys have been around for 170 plus years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to be home. They want to be around for another 170 plus years. They've got to think long term, but they, they, they got shot. What they really didn't get shot down. They shot themselves down. Yeah, they did. Now they now instead of uh, standing with one side, they've folded on both. Right. So now, who do you stand for? Nothing and nobody. And and that and that's not it. Right. You know, we talk about being a cult brand. People gravitate towards something that's authentic and real that they want to be part of. Mm-hmm. So stand for something, and people will stand with you. But ah, uh, that Budweiser really messed that up. <laughs> they really did. I think it's an important message, you know, for the kids that if you can't like what really changes the world is voting and money. And I was in a conversation with my two nieces who are in their 20s and I was asking about the Bud Light ad, what they thought about it. And of course, they were upset and didn't understand. And and they were they were as they they responded as you as you thought that they would. And I said, "Okay, did you guys go out and buy some Bud Light? in response to this ad. And both of them said, no, they had other things to spend money on, whatever. And I said, you can feel as you can feel as strong as you want, but until you spend money or you can vote, things are going to change much more slowly than they would otherwise. And if you look at obviously Budweiser or uh, Budweiser stock uh, is down about 8% from last month. Uh, Miller lights, parent company stock is down around 3% on this story. Now, if all the women in the world or in America said, let's all go buy Miller Lite and their earnings report went through the roof, we'd see more ads like promoting women in a fair and balanced way. So just for the kids, like until money is spent, like companies aren't going to go near like transgender issues for a really long time. It's going to have to be a startup that is willing to take chances. But a big established company like this is going to be really gun shy because of the Bud Light issue. And I, what's interesting to me as well is the whole Disney Florida thing uh, is is a is also another touchstone for conservatives and and going on talk radio and and Fox News. Uh, the Little Mermaid comes out this month, um, and Chad and I were lucky enough at iSims to meet uh, an influencer on TikTok whose daughter's mm-hmm. seeing the the Little Mermaid ad, and it's an African American black mermaid. Everyone who wants like fairness, inclusivity, like go see the Little Mermaid because if Disney can like crush it 
at the box office, you're going to see more movies like this and more uh, inclusion in that. If this movie flops for whatever reason, it's going to be another punch in the gut to sort of this uh, entertainment and advertising and marketing being more inclusive. Yeah. Um, so I sign me up, right? I'm going to be right there in the front row to see that movie. Um, it almost brought tears to my eyes to see some of the videos I'm going to get choked up just saying this, like seeing the videos of moms recording their daughters and then seeing themselves in The Little Mermaid, yep. right? Like, she looks like me, right? The, mm-hmm. To see yeah. the look on those kids' faces, it, it made me realize just how much they're starving to see themselves in the types of movies and entertainment that we create and I, it was incredibly touching to see that. And I, I was fist bumping immediately after seeing that. The response of the children's faces and the and they're be seeing inclusion. That was really touching for me. That to me, I mean, you're, you're right. I teared up watching those kids saying it. Yeah, they were in such shock. It's me. <laughs> yeah. So go see The Little Mermaid, everybody, and have a, a pint of Miller Light after the show. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Let's talk a little bit about Goodwill, shall we? So Goodwill, uh, the place Chad likes to donate his used jock straps, uh, has launched. I haven't worn one of those since I've been like eighteen. Do they still sell jock straps? I think it's all like, like uh, anyway, anyway. Okay, all right. So they launched a new ad campaign called "New Lives" to highlight the impact of donations on changing lives and supporting individuals facing employment challenges. The campaign showcases the stories of Goodwill job seekers. And emphasizes how public donations play a vital role in empowering these individuals. The campaign is based on consumer surveys that revealed increased support for Goodwill's mission among donors, shoppers, and job seekers. Julie, just like Chad and I, you probably buy from Goodwill from time to time. What are your thoughts on their new ad campaign called New Lives? Yeah, I I love Goodwill. I shop there a lot, actually. I find more that uh, I... More interesting things there than I do at the mall. <laughs> and if you got kids, it's invaluable. Yes. Like, like they outgrow this shit in a week. Like, oh God, pay yeah. a dollar yeah. for it. Yeah, uh-huh. but I'm I'm glad that Goodwill is raising awareness for what they do because a lot of people think, oh yeah, you drop off your clothes and stuff, mm-hmm. and then you know they sell it there, and then maybe that money goes to charity, and that's great, right? But it, it does a lot more than that. So I love that they're raising awareness for that. That they are creating a lot of um, you know, career pathing opportunity for people that are in need of those services. So I think that that's fantastic that they're raising that awareness to that. Um, but I think it's sad that they have to because Goodwill actually has a lot of competition now. You know, you've got the Salvation Army, you've got Savers, you've got yeah, the <laughs> internet, right? So there's a lot of ways that people can donate their their goods now. I think that it's great for pe- them to to allow people to understand that by donating there, by shopping there, that you're really making an impact on helping people be enabled to get back to work in many cases. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, and they, and they also have individuals with disabilities that have been working throughout Goodwill for, for decades. Right. So, yeah, I mean, being able to, to impact different communities, to be able to, to literally, I mean, Goodwills are in communities far and wide throughout the United States. Um, that to me is, it, it's more than impactful for the individual. It is impactful for the entire community. And that's the thing that we've lost in the United States a lot. We've, again, we've, we've aligned behind rugged individualism and do things for yourself, right? And we forgot about community. And then what happens are that these individuals who are less for- fortunate in many cases, physically, you know, monetarily, it doesn't matter. They get lost, they get lost and they have been getting lost for decades. And you have to have an organization like Goodwill to be able to demonstrate, hey, look, a community exists. People are getting lost. Now, what we need to do as Americans, what we need to do as humans is we need to focus on these types of initiatives. And we need to remember that we are a part of a community. This isn't just about me, 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 right? All these other individuals only get one life as well. Take a look at what, how they're living and would you ever want to live like that if you if the roles were reversed, kind of like, you know, 48 hours kind of thing. No, trading places, that was it. Uh, but <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, I mean, Goodwill is, is, is amazing. Uh, you know, do I think that they're CEOs? Cause every single one of these, these, uh, locations or these regions have a CEO that gets paid about half million dollars a piece. What? I don't know. Oh, yes. I don't know if, I don't know if that's quite what I would be looking for. It doesn't for. sound like goodwill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the CEO's not working on his goodwill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are some takeaways that we can kind of have, you know, and, and talk about and try to peel back the layers there. But again, there's a lot of good being done. Could there be more? Of course. But uh, yeah, this is a, this is a big kudos. Yeah, Chad, you mentioned um, disabilities. Uh, second mm-hmm. chance uh, is another one. A lot of people yes. that have had yes. uh, mistakes in their life and done time uh, get get second opportunities at places like Goodwill. And Julie, you mentioned in America, there's a Goodwill on in almost every community. And I think people take for granted that you just give your stuff to them, you get the tax the tax you know credit or whatever. And then you move on. And there are certain charities that specialize in other things. People don't really realize that Goodwill's sweet spot really is uh, employment opportunity and education. And, and here's some here's some numbers, uh, which, which surprised me. I had no idea. Uh, nearly 2 million people receive services to build skills and connect with jobs in their communities. Uh, roughly 300 people every day uh, find a job because of Goodwill's help. Um, in training and education. Uh, nearly 125,000 people found employment through services provided uh, by their local Goodwills uh, last year. So we talk about government needs to do more, people need to do more. There's things going on behind the scenes at places like Goodwill and charities that are doing amazing work to help people get jobs and find employment. If they're not employing them themselves, helping them find jobs um, elsewhere and vouching for them with credentials. So Big applause from all of us, I, I assume, here on this one, that Goodwill's doing some great work. And uh, for everyone out there, if you need to donate some stuff, Goodwill is a pretty good choice to do so. I've got an audible for the next one. There's news breaking. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Acquisition alert, kids. And this is perfect for recruitment marketing. Recruitix acquires video recruiting platform Jammer. Recruitix, the leading in data programmatic 
advertising engagement and analytics for recruitment has acquired Jammer, J-A-M-Y-R. That's how you spell Jammer. An innovative video recruitment platform, Jammer delivers employee-generated videos, content at scale, enabling organizations of all sizes to strategically and easily engage job seekers with exceptional and relevant content. Julie Callie, I'm sure you knew this was coming. What do you think about this? A video, programmatic video? I mean, are we looking at uh, programmatic video ads being distributed? What's going on here? This is this this sounds like pretty crazy stuff. You know, recruitics came into the market with, you know, really created the job programmatic industry, um, being the first to market with with um, that technology, but it's built on top of analytics. So data is the foundation of everything and everything mm-hmm. can expand from there. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really smart move, of course, to bring video into its platform and to its suite of technology that it has. It's always built by our partner, right? So way to accelerate and, you know, get video into the platform. I mean, it's a, it's a great move. It's a great move because, um, as you know, right, with TikTok and all of the things, the new generation is all about video. It is all about video. Who can receive video ads at this time? Are we looking at like kind of fashion forward stuff where we're looking down the road and, and whatnot? Because at this point, I mean, job people are just getting used to, performance-driven job postings, right? right? So, so, so how, how fashion forward is this? Is this really something that we could see prospectively by the end of the year where we're delivering, delivering videos? I mean, what's, what's the idea around this? Um, well, so I can't speak for a lot of the things very specific to this sure. as I'm, you know, not on the leadership team there. Um, sure. But what I would say generally is we have been attached to the job, like the J-O-B job, the actual job, the metadata, the thing at the yeah. URL destination, right? The terrible, ugly yeah. text. In the, we've been attached to that since um, since job boards first were created, right? <laughs> in mm-hmm. the 1999. And we've been stuck on that. Like that's the only way, right? Now, I know that there's some legal needs to be able to be compliant and you have to post jobs. Okay, fine. Check that box. But that does not mean that's the only way that you can create awareness about your opportunity. Mm-hmm. And and I, nobody wants to read that boring text on that flat page. The internet is more interactive now, right? Mm-hmm. You have Siri in your kitchen talking to you, right? You have video and in and, and short form video at that, right? People have an attention span of 15 to 30 seconds. You can't even read a job description <laughs> in 15, 30 seconds. Um, no. People want to feel more human connection. Um, so video is absolutely, you know, where the consumer industry is. Like that's how they want to see it. They want to see real people. They want to feel more connected to it. So it, it's an excellent move. Um, but we're going to see a lot of other things like people getting away from it just being on the job. We're going to find a lot more creative ways to be able to talk about job opportunities using multimedia rather than just a static job posting. If we can blame the millennials for the writer strike, uh, we can blame Gen Z for the for the fanaticism around video. And Chad, we talked about last week the uh, higher view modern hire uh, acquisition mm-hmm. in terms of video. Right. Look, people progressively don't read they don't search, type stuff. They want voice, video, audio. Uh, that's the wave of the future. And as our industry 
is ahead of the curve and like people want to hire young folks. That's the developers. That's the creative types. You need to talk to them in their language. It's really as simple as that. And if their language is social media, short form video, audio, uh, then that's how you have to reach them. And Recruitix started as a way to reach job seekers, right? It was uh, pay-per-click for the most part. How do we leverage search? Well, people aren't searching like they used to. They're doing it differently. So obviously Recruitix getting ahead of the curve there. Applause to them um, that they are seeing the future and the future is visual, uh, audio, et cetera, voice. And uh, they're getting ahead of that. And they won't be the last. You're going to see a lot of consolidation, a lot of gobbling up because Building video is pretty hard, by the way. Uh, it's yeah. you know YouTube has sort of do it, been doing it for everybody forever. Mm-hmm. Well, no one wants to just embed video from YouTube uh, because you got to deal with ads that are on Google and you got to deal with like their shit. Like they want to own it, and if it's buy, build, or, or partner um, buying is certainly a good option because not a lot, a lot of people have built good video platforms uh, in the past ten years. So you're going to see a lot more consolidation and acquisitions around this space. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in video. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know out there or not, listener, but uh, the Chad and Cheese now have video podcasts. Go to youtube.com slash at Chad Cheese or just type in the Chad and Cheese podcast on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're seeing this this huge, I don't want to say rush, but they, they, there's this hockey stick that's happening with video. And if we can get into more snackable video, I, I think that that's even that's even better. I'm an advisor for job pixel. So I want to put that out there for you guys. I really believe uh, that this is, uh, that there's validation, not just because of Jammer getting acquired, but I mean, we saw ISIMs by Altru, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think we're going to start seeing more of this consolidation, but, but also these moves because you have to outflank your competition quickly. What is, what is hot, right? What can you use? What can you actually integrate into your platform and or system? I think video is one of the more sexy, and again, I'm biased, but one of the more sexy ways to actually get in front of those potential buyers. Unless it's you on the video, then the sexiness. (laughs) Then it goes up up about a hundred times. Portugal Chad is way sexier than Indiana Chad. (laughs) It's the team. And and Chad, this is our first episode recording where Chad's in Portugal and unfortunately, uh, we don't do video for these, but Chad is tanned. He's got like, <laughs> he's got the leisure suit on. He's got sun in the background. He's there. Sun, yeah, oh, there sunglasses it is. With the sunglasses. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the poor man's rock, everybody coming at you from, from Portugal. Great scoop. Great episode, everybody. We'll save uh, freelancing for maybe next time. But until then, another one is in the can. We out. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell. Enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey. Or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuckleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. How much do you understand 
the future of finance. I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.